The reading today is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Um, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy mm. that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Okay, I can't finish it, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. And let's give them a round of applause as we... Um, Man, that's good stuff. I love it. Thank you, uh, thank you, Taylor and Sarah, um, for that. And um, now, if you'll go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, where we'll be this morning together, um, walking through our sermon series framework um, and, and um, looking at the unexpected story. And so this week we're looking at um, how Jesus' gospel is from uh, the bottom to the top. It's an upside down or bottom-up gospel. Um, if you have a Bible, again, turn to me. Uh, as always, I want us to be in God's Word together to see it, see what he's saying to us. And if you don't have a Bible, will you go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up? And somebody will get you a Bible. So um, again, yeah, hold it up high, keep it up, um, and someone will get you a Bible También si quieres la Biblia en español, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, um, eso es nuestro regalo a usted. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you do now. Okay, keep this. Um, put your name in it, make it your own, and um, and we'll uh, we'll um, uh, just want to again submit ourselves to God and His Word always. Um, am I cutting in and out here? Um, man, all right. The microphone troubles continue. Um, I'll look at you again. Give me a little nod if it happens again, and just give me the, the handheld. Um, so um, also, again, before we pray right now and we get into our time, um, another really important thing, okay? Mark your calendars. Everyone look at me right now. This isn't time zone out. Um, uh, we have, really excited for this, a Christmas Eve service here at Safford um, this year. And really excited for that. Um, it's going to be um, at 5 o'clock in the evening, and it'll be about an hour, and just an incredible time to come together, to celebrate together, to kind of prepare our hearts, enter into that season. Um, last year, we were in a home. It was really cool. It was our first ever Christmas Eve service. It was in a home. And as we've grown, we said, you know what? We need to do it at Safford. We don't know who all's in town, how many people will be here, but it'll be great um, for us to come together re regardless. And also, if you are here and you are coming, I really encourage you to invite friends, neighbors. Um, a lot of my f family even call themselves Chester Christians, which is Christmas and Easter, or, um, or, or CEOs, uh, Christmas and Easter only. And so, um, you know, you never know. People might come on Christmas Eve, and just it's a great time to come together. We're going to be singing songs. There will be a choir, and um, we'll, we'll have some, some food to eat, and we'll, again, be really focusing in on Jesus. And if you're like me, um, and you're a last-minute shopper, I just own it. I embrace it at this point. I don't even uh, 
apologize for it. It gives me like a finish line, okay? I can't be out till when, it's like I'm like, especially since I'm the pastor, I'm like, I got to be here at least by like 4.30. So at least I know, okay, I have a finish line when my shopping needs to be done. Um, so again, there's a lot, of, a lot of wins, but really encourage you to come to that. Also, we are not having a Sunday morning service on Christmas morning. So um, we're kind of doing our Sunday morning Christmas service, if you will, on Christmas Eve together here, um, celebrating that on Saturday night. We will not be having a service um, on Christmas morning, the um, 25th. So, okay, can I get some head nods? Because I want to make sure you're not out here opening your stockings and stuff outside the gate because it'll be locked. There's no room at this inn um, on that morning. Okay, um, all right, Let's, uh, let me pray for us as we uh, get into our time together. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Um, again, thank you for, um, for your word and, um, and for all that you are doing among us. Thank you, for, um, Lord, for joy and, uh, and a richer, fuller picture of family and of joy. That, Lord, you are not afraid of the hard and messy places, but... Man, you entered in, you came, you took on flesh um, in a broken, war-torn world under Roman rule. And um, Lord, you've, you did it all and continue to do it in really unexpected ways. And, and so, Lord, I pray this morning that we would, we would engage. I pray that you would um, lead us into this, the only hope, the only um, place of true joy uh, found in the person and work of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that um, that would define us and, and that you would, um, through the Holy Spirit, would lead us to um, a place of submission and response and worship um, to you, Jesus. Uh, we, we pray these things in your name. Amen. So um, picture with me this scene, okay? A group of, uh, a group of guys are out in the wilderness somewhere, and they build a fire. You know, it's cold. Um, they've been out there. They probably don't smell very good. They're probably pretty dirty. They've been working hard, and they're around this fire, you know, eating some food probably. There's some animals around. Um, you know, there's darkness. There's some 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 stillness, but also a lot of chaos going around in their in their world and their and their respective lives. And they're talking, you know, about different things, kind of trading stories, you know, like guys do, kind of one up in each other, and you know, and all this different stuff. And and then all of a sudden, the heavens peel back, and an angel reveals himself. And says, I've got a message for you. And this message is going to change the entire world. And you guys get to be the first recipients of this incredible news, this good news. And I mean, what are these guys thinking? They're thinking, oh, man, it's, this is crazy. First of all, I don't know what we just ate. But, you know, and then it goes on. And they're like, okay, this is r real. This is really happening. And, and then they respond. And they can do no other. They go and see. And they take part in this. And then the way this whole story ends for them is they go. And they can do no other than to respond than to tell other people and to live their lives in worship of God who revealed himself to them um, through this, this angel and just, again, to be clear, we'll, we'll, we'll look at angels here in a bit, but angels are not little chubby babies with little wings on that are cute and cuddly, and these guys are like, oh, this is fun. Hey, come here. Let me bounce you on my knee. Like, angels in Scripture are, first of all, never, ever presented that way. They are 
like scary beings. Almost every time a human comes face to face with an angel, like the human worships that angel. Or in one case, an animal stops in front of this angel and like will not go, even though the owner is like assaulting the animal. The animal's like, look, your, 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 your abuse is safer than going a step closer toward this crazy, fearful being and, and this angel. And then in one, we'll see in a moment here, like multiple of these angels reveal or are, are shown and it's this crazy scene and then again, the heavens peel back up, and these guys are out there, and they're at Santa Rita Park out here, and they're like, well, what do we do with this now? And they go, and they, they see, and, they, and, and it's confirmed, and they go, and they tell other people. Now, I, I, I threw a little wrench in there, right? Santa Rita Park, if you know that, 6th Avenue and 22nd, it's, you know, full of homeless people, um, you know, not a safe neighborhood, kind of some undesirables, if you will. Like if, a, if the whole community at Santa Rita Park right now just showed up here and came in and said, I have a message for you, um, what we would probably go through a massive list of why we shouldn't believe these guys. But yet when we read this story and we read God's word, we read the entire gospel, like cover to cover, we look through our own lenses and we assume, oh, a bunch of guys out, they're probably farmers, you know, that which in our, in our culture is a little more respectable or, or even, uh, I know we have a lot of people involved with Young Life and up in um, Williams near the, the Young Life camp up there. There actually are sheep herders. I've seen them. Have some of you guys seen these sheep herders up there walking around across? Like you see these guys out herding sheep and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, that's, you know, a way to be kind of in touch, um, you know, with your roots. Or, or we think maybe like, oh, hunters. Like these are a few guys, as I even told the story, like what came to mind for you? Was it some kind of good old, you know, American? Americans out hunting elk up in, you know, strawberry Arizona area or somewhere and having, you know, drinking their coffee around a fire. And, you know, if that if they came and told us this story, we'd lean in and be like, okay, maybe. But that is not reality. That is not um, the, the world of shepherds in this time. Shepherds were, again, they were social outcasts. Think more along the lines, maybe, you know, homeless people at Santa Rita Park, or maybe more even appropriately, like migrant workers. Okay, people that were looking for work, were, were, were kind of um, lower income, were, were, were displaced, and were kind of doing whatever they could do, and then, um, you know, had work sometimes, but maybe di- didn't, weren't always trusted, and um, certainly weren't welcome, uh, definitely not in a religious gathering. That's the context here. And in the same region, there were shepherds, verse 8, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Again, the original audience, okay, we've got to go there, would be hearing, so there were a bunch of guys circled around a trash can fire at Santa Rita Park, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Okay, that it's, it should have that effect on us. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. 
The glory of the Lord is used all throughout the Old Testament. It's the idea of the very presence of God, like a cloud or a fire. This incredible scene is going on here. And, and, and so you would read that language and you'd be like, okay, I know that language. Yeah, that is God. That's how God works. He shows up um, with his glory, his presence, and you can do no other than stop in your tracks and respond and listen and open your eyes and your ears and hear this, this message. And then verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. So fear not is not like, oh, don't worry, don't be afraid, because again, you would be, okay? There's no, there's no stopping that. Like this is an incredible radical scene, all right, that we need to kind of get more comfortable with here. This is a crazy scene, but, but fear not means, yeah, be in awe. You should be, but, but don't worry. Because there's a message of good news I have for you and for all people. And they will soon find out that they were, again, the first recipients of this good news. But again, there in verse 10, the angel says, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. And do you know what, the, what he actually said, what that word actually is, that language? The angel said, hey, don't worry, I'm evangelizing you right now. Now, how many of us, like those of you who are kind of new to church or you came here, um, if, if, if we said, okay, get ready, now's when we evangelize you, would be like, oh, great, I was really hoping for this. Thanks for that. It's really exciting, right? We don't usually in our interpersonal relationships when someone says, I'm about to evangelize you, think like, okay, let's, this is good news. Let's go. I'm, I'm excited for this. No, usually other thoughts come to mind, like, how do I get out of this? You know, this is weird, or this is what I expected. This is crazy. But, but it shouldn't, okay? That's, evangelism is good newsing. I'm about to good news you. Okay, there's some really good news that's going to change your life that you can do none other than respond to. And there's a message involved here, right? And we see that as it unfolds there in verse 11. Unto you this born, um, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Down through verse, verse 12. So you see the message, right? Someone, um, th there's, there's incredible rich truth there that this angel is revealing. He's not saying, you know, peace is kind of an ambiguous idea, whatever's good for you, guys, you know, whatever you want to do with your life, like just do it as long as you're happy. Like, no, he's telling them very specifically, um, this good news comes pointedly through one person who's actually born this day, um, Jesus in Bethlehem. And this angel's connecting the dots here through the full story of God. Okay, if, if you've ever... Um, seen this or uh, heard of this before, um, or if you've wondered about, oh, it's all just a bunch of happenstance and God's, God's a very reactive God, or, you know, how does this whole story fit together? How does Christmas really impact everything else? And, you know, we hear all these crazy ideas. I just was at XO Coffee on Thursday as I was preparing this sermon, and a guy I know who works at a different coffee shop was there. Some of you guys will know who I'm talking about as you hear this. He's a good guy, a good friend, but he knows a lot about everything. And um, we were having a, a conversation, and he proceeded to, you know, tell me all about how the scriptures were translated and mistranslations and all these different things, and we were just, you know, talking there. But um, 
No, God is the author of the story. And, 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 he, and he knows what he's doing all along. And, and, and you see that, that 400 years before this event, the city of David is, the David, is Bethlehem, is right there. It's near Jerusalem. And there would be no reason that Joseph and Mary would be there, except there was a census and all these different historical facts that led them there. But you see that over four, just over 400 years before, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, you see God's plan, God's promises. The, the entire scriptures are whispering the name of Jesus. It says this, It says in Micah chapter 5, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This is one of many, many, many prophecies, promises of God. Of, of how he would bring about his good news, okay? That though, though God created us to know him and to trust him and to relate with him, that we turned away from him and said, no thanks God, and sin entered in to the world. And right away in the very beginning, um, all was broken and affected and we were shamed and shameful in our relationships with one another and our relationship with God. And God said, this is not good, but this isn't the end of the story. God says, no, this is my story, and in Genesis chapter 3, the proto-Euangelion, the, the first gospel, God says, um, I will establish one who will crush the head of the serpent, who will put an end to sin and death. As Stephen talked about during our time of confession and assurance of grace this morning, one who will put death to death. And this is, again, at the very beginning. And then you see God's promises lived out and, 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 and prophesied and promised all throughout. And then just to awaken us here to, to God's plan and his purposes and his good news. And, and, and also, another theme that we cannot miss is this isn't new, that God is working and revealing himself to the least of these from the bottom up, okay, from the bottom to the top. This is how God's always worked. You see it throughout Scripture time and time again, from, from, from Abraham to, to Jacob and Joseph and Moses and King David, again, the city of David and all the prophets and all these different contexts. And, and then Jesus, again, how he came and, 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 he, and he revealed himself to a young, um, a young unmarried woman. And then he told her that she would be pregnant. And, and that seemed like a death sentence, but said, no, 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 there's good news. This is how I work. Okay, this is how I work. And, and, then, and then here again, revealing himself to the shepherds. Now, more about this gospel okay, that the angel had to, had, to, had to share, this good news that he wanted to reveal to them. Again, he says it right there, right? Christ, the Savior. Again, definite truth being communicated here, okay? Not ambiguous stuff. Who is Christ the Lord, God himself born uh, among you, one of you, not just born, but born in a really poor place and to a really poor woman, uh, a, a, a man of the people that God himself would, would work counterintuitively and come among you. This is the message of the gospel, okay? And that, and that through him and through faith in him, through entrusting your life to him, and though they didn't know it yet, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, hope, joy, Love, peace, good news, restoration could come through Jesus and Jesus alone. 
But hear me, this isn't the end of the gospel. It is not intellectual platitudes that you just give and, okay, I hear those things and that's it. That's, it's, it is that, okay? It is that. What I just shared, the gospel message is that. But it's not less than that, but it's much more. Because again, guys, get into this with me. Look here what's going on. The very context of this whole situation with these shepherds is the gospel, is good newsing. The gospel is the message but it's so much more of, of God's restorative work. The very fact that God chose to reveal himself through this angel to these people, they're experiencing the good news. They, they live their lives broken from other people. They came in and, and people scooted away from them or people said, hey, uh, you know, sit back here and one of, the, one of the pastors will come and talk with you after afterward but you know don't get too close um you know they came with a message to people and people were like yeah I don't I don't really want to hear that you're different than me I don't want to hear that but but right from the start God 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 brings the good news through the angels sharing a message and embodying this good news through this relationship in fact, let me read you a quote that I heard um, from a man, Wesley Newbegin, who's a scholar, author, theologian. He's no longer with us. He, he um, passed away um, not, not too long ago, but incredibly influential on in my life and on this church. And um, he said this. I'm going to actually go through it twice. Um, but he said it's really heady, but you've got to lean in here because it is, is profound. He says this. The purely verbal preaching of the story of Jesus crucified and risen would lose its power if those who heard it could not trace it back to some kind of community in which the message was being validated in a common way of life which is recognizable as embodying at least a foretaste of the blessedness for which all men long and which the gospel promises." Hey, let me read that again. The purely verbal preaching. So if it's just a message, just words here, that there's no, there's no handlebars, there's no experience, there's no context in community. The purely verbal preaching of the story of Jesus crucified and risen would lose its power if those who heard it could not trace it back to some kind of community in which the message was being validated in a common way of life, which is recognizable as underline this word or write it down somewhere. I love this word and you're going to hear it a lot more later embodying at least a foretaste of the blessedness for which all men long and which the gospel promises. We all long, every single one of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we recognize it or not, we're all longing for um, so much more in life. I just had a, a time with a friend who's going through a terrible, terrible spell and his ma marriage and sin is involved and it's ugly and broken. And until he's in this place, he didn't acknowledge what his heart was longing for. But as we talked and as we prayed and, and, and as we wept alongside him and prayed, it's really sad and, 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 and ugly and yet, by God's grace, I think God revealed what his heart has been longing for, but he's been trying to supplement and try to fill in every other kind of way. Again, in this time of year, we do that. 
All right, men pursuing satisfaction and acceptance and intimacy outside of God's provision through pornography, through affairs, through all kinds of other things, through, through, through checking out and selfishness, um, just all kinds of brokenness, thinking, oh, once I consume this next experience, once I buy this next good, once I have this thing, once I, once I catch up with the next person, I'll be satisfied, I'll be fulfilled, I'll, I'll sin, I'll hurt my neighbor, I'll turn away from God, because once I have this, I'll be satisfied. We're all longing for this. And, and here, here's the message of the gospel is Jesus and his work and his authority and his rule and his reign and his message and his incarnation, his embodiment, his coming and his community embodying and proclaiming his gospel is the only good news that will fully, that will fully satisfy, is the only answer to the questions that we are all longing to be answered. And if it's just a message and we just tell people from afar, oh, this is, here's the good news, but we don't embody it. We don't live it out. And, and as I was thinking about this this week, I want you to picture this with me. Um, your nativity scene or the nativity scenes at your home or what you've seen. Um, I don't know what they look like, okay? I don't know what yours looks like. I know what ours does, and we love it. We value it. It's handed down from generation to generation. They're, they're big, okay, for our short family. They're almost like life-size. Um, but they're these big characters. You can see the details, and, you know, they're, they're fun, and you can, you know, all these things. It's really cool and beautiful. But it's also grossly inaccurate, in a lot of ways. And we talked about it with our kids. We're like, you think we should hire or ask like one of our good friends who's artists to come here and to paint some of these characters? Because they're like lily white. And that is just not reality. That's not historical reality. Is the gospel for white people? I hope so. Okay, amen, yes. But, but historically, we're like really clean, tidy white people gathered in a manger with these animals like, you know, cooing around and was this woman who just gave birth somehow like shining and all cleaned up and pretty and had makeup on and you know all that was that how it all looked like no no also just a story and this part is true the magi okay you guys know they're not there they shouldn't be there okay all these kings if you got little little folks with crowns on or these wise men or they weren't there okay that's just totally inaccurate all right, they come way later in the story. Read it. Read through there how they come to the picture. It's not right there. But also the shepherds, that's who I was looking at because of this sermon. And I'm just like, yeah, it, that's probably not right. Given what I've read and what we're looking at, what we're talking about of shepherds, they're all clean and tidy and right there. And they're, you know, and, and it, it was, I, I do think this picture, as we'll see in a couple of verses here, was incredibly beautiful, but it was a lot, lot messier than we're likely comfortable with. Because what does, what does, um, what do the angels say? Okay, verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, so this is, okay, a rager all, all of a sudden. Again, not a little chubby baby, not one, but these crazy angelic beings, the heavens are peeled back and this incredible worship service is going on, crazy, crazy stuff here. Um, and, and, they're, and they're saying these things in unison, glory to God in the highest and on earth, 
peace among those with whom he is pleased. This incredible gospel, we sang about this stuff, but okay, peace, we're going to talk about that next week is the Advent candle that will be lit. What comes to mind for you? Peace on earth. I know we're in a season right now. We got to hang up our lights last week. It was great. Um, and this week, hopefully, today, we're going to go and get a tree. We're going to hang it, hang up, you know, get it all prepared, hang up the lights, which is good. Last year, it was like the 21st or something by the time we got a tree. But so we're going to have our tree. And what, I, what comes to mind for me is, you know, sitting back, kicking back, like drinking hot cocoa, the tree, you know, the lights are dimmed or off, and you got the lights on there around your tree, and you're eating a good meal, you're smelling good smells, and that's where my mind goes. But that's also where my mind stops. Okay, hear me. That's good, okay? I'm not here to wreck your Christmas, all right? I'm not a Christmas wrecker, okay? Don't, don't accuse me of that. But we, we do have to acknowledge that we settle. We stop so short at just that. It is that. It is all those things, the smells, the songs, the, feel, the feelings, the, the, the tree, the experiences, all these things. It's brokenness being, being made new. It's, it's establishing new traditions in our families and all these great things. But again, it's not just clean and pretty and comfortable and with people that we're really comfortable around. Like picture this setting here. You've got an unmarried young woman who was betrothed to another man who was about to divorce her, but an angel intervened, and he's like, all right, I won't divorce her, but they remain unmarried. They are not yet laid together, okay, if you know what I'm talking about here. They haven't been together, so you know he's there. He's a little, he's probably not all serene. He's like, man, I'm marrying this gal, and she's having a baby that's not mine, and I, this isn't clean and pretty. This isn't what usually our Advent candle lighting services kind of feel like. This isn't the Christmas that we would conjure up just left to ourselves. It is that, but it's so much more. It's, it's smelly shepherds, or again, think in our day, likely homeless people, migrant workers, people that we don't understand or we don't know what we do with or we don't know what to make sense of. It's, it's people from different cultural backgrounds. It's, it's, it's all kinds of, but it's, it's the gospel, the good news of God reconciling people to himself and to one another. And, and it's, it's messy and likely smelly. And yes, I acknowledge I keep mentioning smells because those of you who know me, that is my biggest thing. Like I am, if I have a superpower, it's my nose and how well I can smell. I can sniff things out. One time there was vinegar spilled in my fridge and the fridge was closed and I came in and was like, I smell vinegar. True story. And it was spilled inside our fridge. Like it's crazy. And it's actually more of a curse because I don't know when smelling is like a good thing. But that's, that's my cross to bear. Okay. But seriously, like, what this stuff, it's not all clean. And, and this is real, real life here. Like, there have been times where God has brought me before other human beings, other image bearers of his who the good news of the gospel has come for and said, I I'm calling you to relate here and to learn from. Come on. Amen? 
not just to do for, not just to give. Like these, these shepherds had a message, right? They had something to offer. They weren't just the recipients of a sack lunch here and, you know, one day of, out of the year. They had a part to play in God's story and what he was doing, the greatest story ever told. And, and it wasn't just, oh, you're, you stay over there and we'll, we'll kind of throw stuff at you. No, they had a part to play. And there have been so many times, confession, true confession here, that I've been like, I don't know, God. I, it's going to smell and I really care how my car smells, so giving this person a ride might infringe on my comfort. And, and there have been times, I'm sad to say, that that has led me, and I have, I have gone my own way. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. But by God's grace, he convicts me and calls me back, and he uses our community, and he uses his word to grow me and, sh- and shape me and lead me to repentance and to confession and to real beauty and, and, and real good news, and and real Advent blessing and peace and joy. And I pray that for us as a congregation. And I know some of you have asked, like, well, what what do I do then? Like, I don't know what I do. And someone just told me this last week, like, you give all these things, and then you don't really give a lot of action points. Like, well, what now, brown cow? Like, how do we, what do we do with this stuff you're throwing at us? It's uncomfortable, and then we leave. What do we do? Um, I don't know. So there it is. No. Um, (laughs) Like, I don't know the exact application for all of us here, but I know like a couple of examples is this. Like, just even from our week as a family, it is, again, someone asks you for change. Someone's out there asking for, you know, someone's out there with the Salvation Army ringing the bell. Um, The... uh, uh, the t- teen challenge guys are out there a lot of time. Those are guys recovering from drug addiction and alcohol addiction and different things. Asking someone their story, just it, even what, more than you know, maybe asking, just asking a question. How, how's your year been? Or, or what do you, what is, you know, what's going on this, you know, Christmas season for you? Um, Around your, your table, who's around your table? Who are your neighbors? Given Tucson, we have a lot of interspersed communities here and all this stuff. And just getting to know your neighbors, not maybe not directly next to you, though that'd be a great place you know, to start, but just your neighbors. Um, asking these, those of you who are involved in redemption community, which is all of you, I know, right? Every single one of you. No, but those of us that are involved in community, Bring it up, even this week. Just pray for the people that aren't here. Just spend some time, or even here on Sunday morning, look around and say, who's not here? And how would I feel if they were here? And, and, and am I and asking God, God, am I too comfortable? Do, do, I, do I, you know, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? From our week, it was something like this, that my kids talked about someone at their school who brings a different kind of lunch with them every week. And they said, yeah, some of the kids in our class, in our classroom are, are kind of making fun of, you know, so-and-so because their lunch is weird. And we said, well, is their lunch weird? And, and our kids were like, I don't, you know, and I don't know. And they talked about it. And those of you who have been involved with college ministries and gone over, you know, overseas and stuff, it's not weird it's different okay see we but so we talked through that and we walked through what does that mean and then we also talked about loving your neighbor as yourself and by God's grace he's given our kids great kind of influence and favor at their school so we've said no you you punish anyone who makes fun of these kids you wreck them beat them up no (laughs) they're really small and really good really nice kids so thank God he didn't give them 
me, um, or didn't give us me to, you know, they're not as angry and um, insecure. But, um, but, but we talked through with them. We prayed, like, okay, what does this look like? What about different kids? And, and these kinds of things. Again, it's not perfect. It's not, I don't know all the applications and implications, but I hope we're all a little bit more informed and more aware here that, that there are some action points God would lead us to. And then just like that, the scroll, the heavens close back up, and, they, and, they, and, and we see in verse 15, And the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Again, God's the hero of the story here. God reveals. And these these people are like, all right, well, did you you just see that? Yeah, did you? Okay, all right, it happened. You know, are you drunk right now? No, not yet. Okay, me neither. Like, let's... Let's go then. Let's go see this thing. Let's go confirm it. And so they, they go. And then I love this in verse 16. And they went with haste, right? They could do no other. When you've truly seen and tasted the gospel, you can do no other than to respond and to go and to tell and to experience and to live out and to embody. And they do that with haste, right? They don't, they don't say, ah, let's go check tomorrow. Let's go do this thing. They go with haste. And they went and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying there in a manger And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. That's verse 17. I just love that picture. They're like trading stories. And guys, listen to what we just heard. And of course, like Mary and Joseph are likely like, yeah, we know we've experienced it. We've just lived out. But you've got to see again the whole thing here that they're like, okay, this isn't just on us. We don't know. We talked about last week, Mary, unmarried, pregnant, and poor, didn't know how this whole thing was going to end. Though God told her, okay, God, God promised her, but she didn't really understand all the implications, and yet she knows that God's on the move, and, and then he confirms it by sending these shepherds, but also, again, their categories are getting bl- blown up here. They're like, wow, these shepherds just came. I hope you brought some essential oils with you because it kind of smells now, but, but they're, they're relating, and they're embodying this, this together, and they're trading stories, and it's just it's such a beautiful picture of them and guess what they're doing? They're evangelizing one another. They're good newsing each other. They're, they're reminding each other of this gospel that they've heard and are now experiencing and living out together. That's community. That's what we're called to. If you're here in this seat, that's what we're called to. That's discipleship, to live out the good news of Jesus, to remind one another of it, to embody it, and to be, to speak, and to embody, and to share that physically and through our words with the world around us. That's it. Easy, right? That's what we're called to. Simple, not simplistic, but hard, only through his power. And then I love this. As we kind of begin to close here, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Just sitting there looking at this crazy scene. Okay, this baby who's been born. She's holding, you know, nursing this baby um, who is dependent on her fully, and yet she's fully dependent on him. It, it's weird. It, it's not just, oh yeah, we, like, she's holding her hope of salvation in her arms. This, this upside-down good news of God given to her 
and, and, and now lived out among her and around her, and, and she can, and yet because she's sitting there, like looking at this baby, like this baby is helpless right now. This baby needs me in every single way. And yet she knows because the angels told her that he would also be her savior and the hope of the entire world. By the way, she did know. Okay, she did. You guys know the song, Mary, did you know? Silly, silly song. Okay, she did know. Yes, she knew. The the angel told her. She did know, but she's still confused, and she's still taking it in, and she's still marveling. And lastly, verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Just like us, as we respond right now, you can do no other than to respond and to marvel and to consider the good news of God, counterintuitively, working from the bottom to the top. How does this inform and change and enrich how you get the gospel? How does this inform how you view yourself? All right, we all consider ourselves to be the bottom or the least of these in some way, socioeconomically, intellectually, physically, um, all kinds of different ways. Well, I don't have this. We all have a, a reason that we're, you know, um, inadequate. How does this change how you view yourself? God loves revealing his strength through weakness. How does this inform and change how you and I view others? People at Santa Rita Park, the people that I pray and we pray will come, will be a part of our community, not just once, but embodied, living among one another. How does this, how does this change how we view and appreciate and respond to the creative God and glorious God who we worship and celebrate in all of life and particularly in this Advent season? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we, we end with that question. How do we respond to you? Lord, I pray that you will lead us now through your Holy Spirit to uh, respond in faith and in, in, in worship and in delight, perhaps also in repentance and confession that, Lord, there are a lot of ways that we keep on going. There are a lot of ways that we keep the blinders on. There are a lot of ways that we settle for a gospel that is not less than but much greater than um, what we're so used to and so comfortable with. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you didn't worry about smells and discomfort and and ugliness and danger. You entered into a war-torn, broken, smelly manger. And you entered into each one of our lives, which in their own way are all broken and desperate. And Lord, you didn't wait till we get it all cleaned up, but you came and said, no, no, I will clean it up. Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through you. No one comes to joy and peace and love and restoration but through you. And so I pray that we would celebrate you and your creativity and your glory and your goodness and your upside-down, bottom-to-the-top gospel. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.